It's Thursday, March 31st. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. St. Louis leaders have been boasting about a decline in the city's murder rate. A recent investigation finds that rate may not be dropping. It could be that police have changed how they categorize deaths, and that can be problematic. And if we tweak with those numbers too much, we won't be able to accurately look at trends over time within our jurisdiction. We'll examine how St. Louis may be changing its definition of a homicide in just a few minutes. Missouri is shifting how it tackles COVID-19. It will begin treating it as an endemic instead of a pandemic. That means multiple policy changes go into effect tomorrow. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports. Over two years since Missouri had its first documented case of COVID-19, Governor Mike Parson has declared the COVID-19 crisis in the state over. The governor cited falling case numbers and hospitalizations as a reason for the shift. The state will now treat the coronavirus as an endemic, similarly to how it addresses the flu. The state will no longer use universal contact tracing and will update its COVID-19 data on a weekly basis as opposed to daily. Paula Nicholson, acting director of the Department of Health and Senior Services, said this change doesn't mean the virus is gone. The planning for the endemic phase allows us to ramp back up and be flexible if necessary in that regard. Nicholson also said the state would not advocate for either mask or vaccine mandates in the instance of a surge in cases. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. A bill in the Missouri Senate aims to shield witnesses in sexual offense cases from investigations into their sexual history. Sykeston Republican Holly Rader's bill would make witnesses' prior sexual conduct inadmissible at any trial, hearing, or court proceeding, with certain exceptions. Rader says the current statute presents an obstacle for witnesses who would otherwise come forward. You have someone who's who's being strong enough to come forward and help get this perpetrator off the streets, but yet their character starts getting ripped apart. The measure would also mandate that survivors of sexual assault be informed of their rights by a health provider, law enforcement, and prosecutors. St. Louis voters are being asked to make major changes to how the city draws its ward maps. Proposition R is on the April 5th ballot. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports. The city's charter currently puts aldermen in charge of setting ward boundaries. Supporters of Proposition R call that a major conflict of interest. Jamie Cox is the policy chair of Reform St. Louis, the proposition's main backer. She says people should choose their representatives, not the other way around. Even though there are typically not major changes made every 10 years, the principle of this is what matters the most. And we think that that practice should be in the hands of St. Louis citizens and constituents. If approved, the measure would put a citizens commission in charge of maps and require multiple public hearings. Opponents say the change gives residents less say because aldermen are elected to be the voice of their wards. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Anheuser-Busch is investing $50 million at its St. Louis brewery. The company is adding a building for seltzer products. Construction of the first new building at the brewery in 15 years should be complete this spring. AB is also upgrading one of its existing can lines. This announcement is part of the $1 billion the company plans to invest in U.S. operations by the end of 2023. St. Louis leaders are hailing a recent 25% drop in homicides from 2020 to 2021. Mayor Tashara Jones is using the decline as an example of how her crime-fighting tactics are working. 
but an investigation by our partners at APM Reports and ProPublica finds the drop is not just because fewer people are dying violently in the city. Police are leaving some of those cases out of the murder count by reclassifying them. Tom Sheck reports. In January of 2020, Jason Dudley found a set of keys lying on the ground. He picked them up, hit the button to unlock the doors, got into the car, and stole it. A few hours later, the vehicle's owner, Jeffrey Brown, realized his car was missing and started looking for it. He found the car a few blocks away and called police. An officer told Brown he should take his car and leave, but he didn't. Brown was worried the thief also had his mom's house keys, so he waited. Brown later told police he saw Dudley come back to the car. So I got in my car, I ran over to him, and then I did, I drew my pistol. And I was like, get out the car, get out the car. After pulling the gun on Dudley, Brown told his girlfriend to call police again. But Dudley and Brown got into a scuffle. Like, before that moment, it's like, okay, we're waiting for the cops get here. And then once you start, like, fumbling with me and start trying to take it, it's like, okay, am I going to make it home to my family? Brown shot Dudley, killing him. Later, in a police interview room, Detective Michael Herzberg asked Brown if he had feared for his life during the scuffle. Brown said yes. Herzberg then suggested the case will likely be considered self-defense and classified as justifiable. Uh, the way it's going to shake out is I'm going to put everything together, interviews, uh, anything we can find. I'm going to take the prosecutor's office and uh, they'll make a determination. I don't think you have anything to worry about, okay? We reached out to Herzberg and Brown, but they didn't respond to messages. Dudley's family urged police and prosecutors to pursue murder charges. Brown was eventually cleared because, as predicted, police classified it as a justifiable homicide. That move surprised some criminologists like Victor St. John of St. Louis University. He wonders if the confrontation could have been avoided. It definitely raises some some flags in my head in terms of whether that is justifiable. Dudley's case is just one of the hundreds of deadly encounters that have occurred in St. Louis over the last several years. But what makes this case different is the FBI says police don't have to count Dudley's death and the other justifiable killings in the annual murder tallies. The St. Louis Police Department declined interview requests to discuss justifiable homicides, but Chief John Hayden talked about it with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in January. The analysis for whether or not something should be justified, that has not changed. But Hayden acknowledged more killings have been labeled as justifiable. The data bears that out. Between 2010 and 2019, police averaged six justifiable homicides by citizens a year. In 2020, they counted at least 17. In 2021, the number jumped to at least 22, despite the overall murder count going down for the year. Hayden blames the increase on the loosening of self-defense and gun laws in Missouri. A lot of our homicides are personal disputes, and the challenge to my self-defense is something that I think has been offered uh, quite a bit more often, particularly when you have gun laws that says everybody can have a gun. But Kansas City is also in Missouri and reported zero justifiable homicides last year. Baltimore and Chicago, other cities with high murder rates, also reported zero such cases in 2021. And while Chief Hayden says their analysis over self-defense killings hasn't changed, the police union says there is a change in practice. And they point to cases like Chris Alexander's. As you all know, Chris was killed in front of me. That's Sierra Alexander, who's wondering why her brother's killing wasn't declared a murder. In March of 2020, she says Chris Alexander was high on PCP and got into an altercation. She says he later got up into a man's face on the street. 
I don't know if he pushed them or how it went, but next thing I know, it was the gunshots was was going and my brother was on the ground. Alexander says detectives told her they'd pursue murder charges and they made that case to the prosecutor's office. An attorney for the suspect argued surveillance video made it clear the use of force was justifiable. A murder charge was not issued due to self-defense claims. I didn't think he was going to get by with it, with the self-defense part, but I guess that's what happened. But APM reports in ProPublica have learned Alexander's death is one of at least five cases over the last two years where police classified a killing as justifiable even though they pursued murder charges. And in at least one instance, prosecutors charged a suspect with murder despite police determining the killing was justifiable. The St. Louis Police Officers Association disagrees with how some of the cases were handled. The union has long been at odds with city leaders over crime-fighting strategies, and their lobbyist, Jane Duker, believes city leaders would like to suppress the cases to lower the overall murder rate. It's like their work is being changed afterwards. So there must be some political pressure coming from somewhere because, you know, when you have such a high jump at justifiable homicide, um, you know, that's definitely a red flag. A police spokeswoman says the classifications are made with input from detectives, prosecutors, and others. But she was adamant that police make the final decision. Public Safety Commissioner Dan Isom says the union's suggestion that the classifications are political or another baseless accusation against the department. Still, St. John, the criminologist with St. Louis University, says he's alarmed by the city's increase in justifiable homicides. He says crime statistics need to be consistent over time so police can adjust to new trends. St. John worries the police classifications are no longer showing the full picture of violence in the city. And if we tweak with those numbers too much, we won't be able to accurately look at trends over time within our jurisdiction. We won't be able to look at what's happening in St. Louis versus neighboring counties or similar counties across the United States. Police responded to our questions about how they classify and handle justifiable homicides by saying the 12 years of data the city provided through an open records request are preliminary and may not match the cases reported to the FBI. The department declined to comment further on the specific cases. For St. Louis Public Radio, I'm Tom Sheck with APM Reports. This story was co-reported with Jeremy Kohler of ProPublica. We have a more detailed account of the issue at our website, stlpr.org. Shulin Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.